ecstasy. Prayer is a sweet thing, isn't it? To be able to talk to the Lord. Um, but one day we're going to say farewell, farewell. Sweet hour of prayer. Uh, we're going to get to fellowship with the Lord face to face. It's going to be a blessed day. Um, but uh, there is that hour that you can spend with the Lord is a very precious and sweet time. Um, I, I've heard somebody say that it is much easier to work a 14-hour day than it is to spend one hour in prayer. And I would testify amen to that. Um, prayer sometimes takes some discipline. Um, and uh, we see that even in the life, the life of the disciples as uh, Jesus was going to the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, watch and pray. We enter not into temptation, but they got, they got weary. They got tired. Remember in Bible college when uh, our room leader thought, you know, hey, we're in Bible college. We need to be extra spiritual. So we ended up having like an hour prayer meeting every night starting at 11 o'clock when it was supposed to be lights out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought it was a good idea, but then, you know, about two days into it, we're like, okay, this isn't such a good idea anymore. Because we're all tired, and uh, we'd go around the room, and and uh, one one guy, his name was Sergio, one of my friends, Sergio, and it was his turn to pray. And so the guy before him got done and said, in Jesus' name, amen. And that was Sergio's, uh, you know, his cue to start praying, and then just nothing. And and so the, the guy before said, all right, in Jesus' name, amen. Crickets, Nothing. Like, Sergio, it's your time to pray. Wake up. Huh? Huh? Okay, okay, yeah. And then he would start praying. Uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough uh, to do that, whether it's in the early morning or, or the late night. Um, but it is, it is precious. Well, tonight we're going to continue our uh, series on uh, the blueprint of prayer, looking at different prayers in the Bible. And tonight we're going to look at uh, when the church prays uh, from Acts chapter number 12. And so if you want to take your Bible and turn over there. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. This is a, a very exciting, a very uh, uh, dramatic uh, event that, that is recorded here in the book of Acts. And it also has some humor in it as well. And you think the, the Bible is boring and, and uh, you, you haven't read Acts chapter number 12 and uh, really kind of got the context of it. And so tonight we're just going to walk through it, uh, so a few thoughts as we go through uh, Acts chapter 12. I'm going to start by reading the first five verses, and then, uh, and then we'll make our way down through the rest of the chapter as we go through the message tonight. Uh, Acts chapter 12, verse number 1 says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four... Oh man, I worked on this word earlier this afternoon and... Uh, quadri... Yeah. Quat... Who's got it? Quaternions. Thank you. Quaternions. That's it. Yeah. I worked on it. I said it a few times and I'm like, I'll remember it. But I didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Well, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Acts chapter 12 and what takes place here. 
I pray, Lord, you'd help us to learn the lessons uh, from this passage and from this account uh, that we can apply here in our own lives and in our own church. And uh, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to be a better praying church as a result. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so just to kind of bring us up back or up to speed here, of course, we're not going through the book of Acts, so it's hard to really know all that took place up to this point, and I don't really want to take the time to go there. But uh, just know this, that um, from, from Acts chapter 2 begins on the day of Pentecost, and that's when you know, the church really kind of... Uh, you know, it was founded in uh, Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter number uh, 18, 16. Matthew 16, when Jesus said, Upon this rock will I build the church, and the gates of hell shall not uh, prevail against it. Well, in Acts chapter number 2, as the Holy Spirit came in, like a mighty rushing wind, if you remember that, in the upper room, and uh, that's when the church was uh, really began. And then, about 10 years passed between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter number 12. And for a while, everything was hunky-dory. If you go back to Acts chapter number 9 very quickly, of course, Acts chapter 9 is when Paul gets saved, or Saul of Tarsus gets saved, and uh, gets the message from God that he is now supposed to go and, uh, and, and preach and, and uh, serve him. And uh, look, what, look what it says in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 31. It says, Then had the churches... What's the next word in Acts chapter 9, 31? Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost and were multiplied. So uh, for a while, the churches had a lot of rest. I mean, it was just smooth sailing for these churches. Uh, just no big deal. They were continuing on and, and they were growing and, and there was no adversity, no um, no suffering, no persecution. Well, that eventually changes. And uh, number one on your outline, if you want to, if you're taking notes, is the persecution of the church. So in Acts chapter nine, everything's going well. There's a period and a season of rest, and then we come to Acts chapter twelve, and now the persecution picks back up again. As I was thinking about that in the in the, here in America, you know, for 245 years ish. Uh, the churches have had rest here in America. Uh, we've had an easy go of it. We've had religious freedom. We've had the you know, freedom to assemble and gather. Uh, of course, some of that was uh, being fought during all this COVID thing. Um, and uh, it could be, as I've mentioned uh, recently in the past uh, messages, that uh, we could be getting into a point where uh, there's not going to be rest anymore. Well, that's what happened here in Acts chapter 12. Uh, this, this guy, and, and we fast forward a little bit of time here, this uh, guy who's in charge is Herod. Now, Herod, that name sounds very familiar. If you're familiar with the, uh, the story, not the story, but the account of when Jesus was born, and there was another king there who, uh, his name was Herod. Well, the, not, the same, not the same Herod. This Herod is Herod's uh, from, from when Jesus was born, this is Herod's grandson here in uh, Acts chapter number 12. And uh, Herod in, um, you know, Jesus's when he was born, uh, was so evil, so wicked, that uh, he was willing to kill all these children two years old and younger uh, in one fell swoop just because he didn't 
he, he was so insecure in, uh, in his position. Um, and so here's his grandson, and, and is he much better? No, not really. Because um, here we go, in verse number uh, 1, it says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Okay, so um, here uh, Herod was not very powerful, uh, not, not very popular uh, with the powerful Jewish leaders of that day. And so he decided to increase his approval rating. He thought, man, uh, you know, my poll numbers aren't looking good now. I've got to do something to increase my popularity. And so he thought, hey, I know that the, uh, the Jewish leaders really don't like Christians and really don't like Christianity being propagated. So I know that what would really help my image in their eyes is if I start really persecuting the church and these Christians and especially these apostles who are leading all of these uh, rebellious followers. Okay? So, verse number one, it says, He stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. So he began to target some key individuals that he knew would really make all the Jewish leaders go, Wow, man, I really like what Herod's doing here. You know, he's really trying to get this, you know, these rebels kind of rooted out of this area. And so he, he goes after some of the certain of the church. And so uh, it leads him to do this. In verse number two, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So he goes, you know what? I'm just going to go for the jugular here. I'm going to take out one of their key leaders, and I'm going to kill him with the sword. And uh, let's see how they like me now. And uh, James was the brother of John. Uh, the son, part of the Sons of Thunder. Uh, these were the guys who wanted to be sitting on the one on the right hand, the one on the left hand, with the Lord in glory. And uh, and Jesus says, "Well, look, that's you know, are you willing to be baptized with the things that you know I'm about you're about to go through?" And they said, "Oh yeah, we're willing," you know. And he said, "Okay, well you're going to, but as far as sitting on the right hand, left hand, that's not for me to give. Uh, but you're going to indeed go through these things." And James did and became the very first martyr. In Christianity, the very first one who gave his life for the faith. And so, verse 2, he does that. What were the results? In verse number 3, it says, uh, And because it, he saw it pleased the Jews, the Jews were ecstatic. The Jews thought, man, what a brave leader we have here in Herod, trying to really root out these Christians and get rid of them, so much so he's willing to kill them. Man, great job, Herod. You've got my support when you run for election again. Of course, they didn't do elections back in those days, but you get the idea. He, he began to really see how well that, uh, you know, his, his approval rating skyrocketed after he did that particular act. And so, verse number three, he saw, man, that, that worked out good. I'm going to keep this going here. So the Bible says, because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he apprehended him, so he was able to successfully secure uh, Peter. And he thought, man, Peter was actually the most uh, vocal of the apostles up to this point. Paul eventually becomes the more vocal one later. But up until this point, it's Peter. And, and uh, so 
Herod goes, well, they like me now. Wait till they get a load of this. And I'm going to go ahead and take Peter and put him in prison. And I'm going to kill him too. And boy, I'm going to be Mr. Popular. I mean, everybody's going to think I'm doing such a great job at this a leading thing. So when he apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four, what is it, Brother Jed? Judd? Quaternions. Quaternions. Okay. Uh, that means that there, are, there were 16 soldiers, four groups of four soldiers that were uh, supposed, their whole job was to guard Peter. Make sure that no one can get him out. Make sure he could not be released. And so uh, all 16 of these soldiers there uh, were to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people, and that's when they were going to kill him. So verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison. Now, again, I've talked about those brothers in Canada who uh, there were at least, I think, three different pastors in the last six months who've done jail time for assembling together and uh, meeting together. That was why they were arrested and put into prison. One who had children at home, a couple of them were, uh, well, two of them had uh, children at home, the other one's a little older, but uh, they were guilty of doing what we're doing tonight. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I mean, I as I talk about some of the persecution that we could be facing, I really, really hope we don't have to face it. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't think I would do very well in prison. Now, my wife was telling me the uh, the older uh, pastor, she got to hear him speak um, a few weeks ago. And she said that uh, when he was in prison, he did what Paul and Silas did when they were placed into prison for the faith. They began to sing, and so did he. He's like, well, that's... You could, they, they could take away my freedom, they can take away all that, but they can't take the song from my heart. And so he sang praises to the Lord, and uh, he had such a loud, I guess, annoying voice that they were like, can you please stop singing? He's like, look, you can do anything you want to me, but I'm going to keep singing because it's in my heart. And he kept singing all these different hymns. And finally, they're like, what will it do? You know what? Why don't you just leave? They kicked him out for singing. <laughs> so... I was like, I'm going to keep that in mind if I ever get placed into prison. I don't think it'll take me as long to get kicked out as it did for him because my voice is way worse than anybody I've ever heard. Um, so I'm just going to sing out in a very annoying voice, which is brother, poor Brother Randy. He has to listen to me every time he leads singing in this ear. He probably, I have noticed he has been putting some earplugs in this left ear right here so he doesn't have to hear me. Um, but... Um, Anyway, I, that is one thing that, you know, I know we're not supposed to fear, and I've been preaching on that, but I, I don't ever want to go to prison. I, I just don't want to do it. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather die than go to prison, honestly. I mean, if that's what it's going to end up being anyway, um, I'd rather skip the prison part. Um, but Peter, um, they put him in prison for a while, and then with the intent that they were going to take his life. Now, persecution of the church has really been around since the inception of the church. And uh, if we do face persecution here in America as believers, uh, we would certainly not be the only ones ever to deal with persecution. It's been around for a long, long time. And I'm thankful for the 245 years of freedom we've had. 
but uh, they be, could be coming to an end soon. I hope not. Uh, I don't want to be a negative, negative Ned here, but I also uh, do see the signs of the time. Okay, but what happened with this persecution? What was the response of the church? What did they do? Well, let's notice uh, number two here, the prayer of the church. In verse number five, it says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. How did the church respond to the persecution going on and the fact that one of their leaders is now in prison about to be executed uh, just so that Herod could get more popularity? That was really all it was. It was a popularity move. And so what did the church do? Notice here they did not protest. They didn't gather around and do a big political rally gathered around Herod's house with big signs. They did not protest, they prayed. Notice they did not riot, they did not loot, they prayed. Notice they did not sign petitions and post all kinds of things on social media, they prayed. Now, are all those things wrong? Okay, rioting and looting, those are wrong. Uh, protesting and uh, having big rallies, signing petitions, you know, I've done some of that stuff. But look, prayer is not the only thing we can do, but it is the greatest thing we can do. And the church said, you know what, uh, instead of trying to, now obviously it would have been uh, foolish for them to gather over there and say, hey, here we all are. <laughs> oh, now you know who all the believers are, hello. Uh, they could have done that, but instead, of course, they chose to pray. And, uh, and I want to encourage our church to, there's a lot of things we could do, um, you know, out in the community, out to fight things. Um, and we could do those things. And it wouldn't be wrong for us to do that. But, but I really want to make sure that we are a praying church and that we do what's the most important thing to do, and that's to pray. I mean, I... You know, I could send out on Facebook, hey, everybody sign this petition. You know, hey, everybody go, go meet at this place and we're going to have a big rally and we want every political rally and I want everybody in our church there. I, I could do that. But I, I'd rather just focus on what's most important and that's prayer. Now, notice here that uh, the Bible says in verse number five, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. It was made without ceasing. So they prayed from the time he was arrested until, obviously, most of us know the account of what happens, until uh, Peter is found, Peter is released. And they prayed without ceasing. Now, I don't know that everybody, you know, stopped everything. They, they probably did a little bit of a prayer chain or, or maybe a, uh, a gathering and say, hey, we're going to pray and and stay as long as you can, but we're going to keep praying until God does something. They prayed without ceasing. And of course, uh, Paul instructs us to do just that in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, a three-word verse. Anybody know it? Pray without ceasing. Very good. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17. Uh, don't you wish that was our monthly memory verse? Because then everybody would have that one memorized. <laughs> um, 
pray without ceasing. We are called to do that. And, and this church was, was fervent about it and said, you know what, we're going to make this an important aspect and we're, we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting if that's what it takes for God to do something. They're willing to sacrifice and to go without some things, uh, go without rest, go without uh, sleep to be able to beseech the Lord. Um, I remember we've had, uh, I've been a part of several all-night prayer meetings. Um, I remember in California when we were in Bible college. Uh, this is before my wife uh, attended the college. But there was a really terrible car accident with two of our uh, female young lady students. Um, they were pulling out of the parking lot of the college. And a truck hit them and uh, T-boned them. And it was a very terrible accident. Both of those girls, uh, it wasn't looking good. And both of those girls lived. Um, but we as a men's dorm, we gathered around and uh, we prayed that night for God to heal them and to restore their health and to um, do a miracle. I mean, it was, it was ugly. Um, and God did do a miracle. Um, now, uh, here's what we're called to do in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Uh, we're, we're called to call upon him. God invites us to call him. Now, imagine if you had the phone number of President Biden. Okay, I don't know if he'd know how to answer the phone. I don't know if he would really understand how to use it. Okay, uh, but, but let's say you had the president's phone number, and you call, and he said, he said, you know, Eric, you call me anytime, and I'll help you with whatever you need. I've got the answers for you. That'd be a pretty neat privilege to have, wouldn't it? To be able to call the most powerful man on earth in the most important position uh, in the world, to be able to have access to call him, and he says, look, you call me any time of the day or night. So 3 a.m., you've got problems, give me a call, I'll answer it right away. That'd be pretty remarkable. Well, here's the deal. We have somebody far more important than Joe Biden that we have access to 24-7, and, uh, and he'll, he, can, he gives us our, his complete and total attention, even if, even if you call him at the same time as I do. He's able to answer both of our, both of our calls at the same time and give us both complete Undivided attention. And he's able to help us a lot greater than uh, Mr. Biden would. Um, yes. I'm thinking about things I could say, but I need to move on and stay on the notes. Um, they prayed without ceasing all night, and then they prayed fervently. No doubt, uh, this church, uh, and they, they understood that Peter being in prison meant that probably he was going to experience the same fate that their beloved James uh, faced a little bit ago. They thought, Peter's a dead man, so let's pray uh, for him. Let's spend some time beseeching the throne of grace for him. They prayed fervently, and they prayed together as a church family. Uh, the Bible just simply says in verse 5, without ceasing of the church, or prayer was made without ceasing of the church, and to God for him. We don't know how exactly how many people were there, but they came together to pray. So we see the persecution of the church, the prayer of the church, and then let's 
Notice here, number three, the power of the church. What happened after, the, after they prayed together? After, what, what happened? Of course, most of us remember the account here, but let's walk through it again just to be reminded. Verse number six says, And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. So here we find Peter, the night before he was about to be executed, was sleeping. How many of you, how many of you if you knew that you were going to be beheaded or killed with the sword the next day, uh, you'd go to sleep and go, hey, no biggie. But Peter did. Now, I am a professional sleeper. I'm an expert napper. I challenge anybody to a napping duel. I would win anybody. But uh, it is amazing to me, though, that the peace that Peter had in that moment, the night before he was about to be executed, he was sleeping. He was snoozing. Um, I don't know if he learned that from Jesus, who was in the boat that back in Mark chapter number 4. When they were going through that terrible storm and Jesus was asleep on the boat and Peter's like, man, this is getting stormy in my life. But you know what? I remember Jesus was sleeping. That's not a horrible idea. Let's go take a nap right now. So he does. He goes and sleeps in between these two soldiers. And uh, I really hope this Peter was a really loud, annoying snorer, you know, you know just to annoy those soldiers for arresting him. I really hope that's the case. That's, uh, I imagine you can probably find that in the Greek there somewhere, but anyway. Peter was sleeping the two, and, and uh, there is a verse, Psalm 4 and verse number 8, and this is a good verse for us to remember too, as we consider storms that come into our life. Psalm 4 and verse 8, I will both lay me down in peace, and I'm going to sleep for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. There's a trust in the Lord that, hey, Lord, you've got this. And I don't know if Peter thought that I'm not going to die because of some of the promises that the Lord, uh, that Jesus gave Peter uh, would come to pass. I'm not sure if that's what it was or if he just said, hey, if this is my time to go, then uh, I'm ready. I, I'm saved. I know where I'm headed. I don't know. Uh, what it was, but uh, definitely there was a peace in his heart, and uh, he was willing to sleep because he knew that the Lord was going to take care of him one way or the other. So Peter uh, goes to sleep there, and then here we go in verse number uh, 7. It says, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. Now typically when we see the angel of the Lord, that's usually, uh, who is that? It's, uh, it's the Lord Jesus. Um, it says, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. He smote Peter on the side. He's sleeping, right? Wake up! And uh, smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said to him, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals, like get on your shoes. Like we're always telling our kids when we're trying to go to church, get your shoes on, we're going, we're leaving, the van is leaving. 
Put your shoes on. Bind on thy sandals. And he, and so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garments about thee and follow me. He's like, Get some clothes on and, and go follow me. He went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. He, he thought he was dreaming because, you know, when you wake up, when somebody wakes you up, you're not really sure if it's reality or you're still dreaming. And I think that's where Peter was, you know, kind of trying to figure out and come to, you know, uh, to his senses. Verse 10, when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened unto them of his own accord. Okay, so it was, it was like our, our gate out of our complex at uh, where we live. You know, when you get so close to it, the sensor, uh, you know, sees your car there or senses your car is there and then opens the gate automatically. You don't have to push any buttons or whatever. It just automatically opens, you know. And you go into a store that has those automatic doors and it has a little sensor there and you walk up to it and it opens the door and you kind of feel like you're special, you know, like, here I come. <laughs> Thank you. You know, that's what happened to Peter. You know, he comes to these iron gates here. It says um, this iron gate that leadeth into the city and and uh, it opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. The angel did what he was supposed to do there and um, and uh, drew uh, Peter out of prison and uh, released him out of prison, delivered him out of prison. Verse 11, when Peter was come to himself, when he kind of realized, hey, this is not a dream, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So uh, Peter is delivered here and uh, released from prison. God answers prayer in a pretty remarkable way. But then now he appears and arrives at the prayer meeting. So remember, there's a prayer meeting going on. This is in Jerusalem. This is at the Church of Jerusalem, which is meeting in, in uh, Mark's mom's home. Okay, So Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, uh, his mom uh, owns a home there, and the church is meeting there, and they're having the prayer meeting in her home. Verse 12, And when he had considered the thing, Peter, he comes to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and uh, I can just, I can imagine it, you know, everybody's gathered around, and they're praying, and it's a somber, serious time, you know, Lord, please, would you deliver Peter out of prison? We really don't want to lose another leader. I mean, we, you know, Peter really has been a leader uh, in our church, and, um, you know, he's been preaching some good messages. We, we need to have him here, and would you please uh, keep him alive? And as he's doing, as this is going on, you know, everybody's kind of eyes bowed, I, you know. Uh, heads bowed, eyes closed, and, and uh, you know, there, there comes a knock. It's this faint knock, and somebody's like, oh, who, who could that be? I mean, what time is it? Uh, we don't, we're not expecting anybody. Anybody expect, we, we, everybody's here that we thought was going to be here. And so this young lady, this, this, this damsel, verse number 13, named Rhoda, gets up and says, uh, I, I'll, I'll go get it. I'll go get the door. I'll go see who's there. Everybody's like, okay, yeah, go ahead, go keep praying. Go ahead, Rhoda. So Rhoda goes to the gate. Um, verse 13, as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, so he wasn't just knocking. He was like, hey, it's me. Let me in. Uh, I'm here. 
let me in. And as he was saying that, it was, she kind of was like, man, that sounds vaguely familiar. It sounds kind of like Peter. And so verse 14, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. She, she heard the knocking. She went and heard the voice and she was like, it's Peter. He's been released. God answered our prayer. And she was so excited, she ran back and didn't open the gate. And poor Peter's just sitting there going, hello, I've been released. I mean, I've had a tough time in prison. I've done some hard time. Uh, can you please just let me into the house? But she bailed because she was so excited that she went into the house. And so verse 14, uh, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told out Peter stood before the gate. So she came in and interrupted the prayer meeting. Hey, everybody, I know you're praying, but I got some really good news. Peter's outside. He's knocking on the gate. He's, he's, he's been delivered. And here's what the response was in verse number 15. They said unto her, thou art mad. You just loony, lady. <laughs> you're missing. You're a couple of fries short of a happy meal. Okay. This is not, you're not, you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer and all of those other cliches we could say tonight. Um, uh, you're, you're just a little crazy. You're, it's late. You're getting... It, how many of you get a little loony when it's late and you're really tired? Okay? Julie, raise your hand. Okay? <laughs> I was like, she's taking a while to raise her hand. She needs to raise her hand. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and she may have had a reputation like that where she just, you know, gets a little loopy as... You know, you get in the wee hours of the morning and, you know, you're kind of going on your fifth cup of coffee for the day and, um, you know, your third Red Bull and you're just not thinking straight. And so that's what they chalked it up to. And they said, no, he's not. You're, you're just crazy. But then she stayed after it. She constantly, in verse 15, affirmed that it was even so. And then they said, OK, well, maybe it's his angel. Would you just come back? We're having a prayer meeting. We're praying for Peter to be released. This is a serious time, Rhoda, and you're goofing off. Well, uh, verse 16 says, but Peter continued knocking. And finally, they're like, all right, somebody else go and see who's at the gate, okay? Um, and uh, verse 16, Peter continued knocking. When they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I may need to have my wife come up here and be astonished again. Uh, she did such a great job on Sunday, and uh, just lots of compliments on that. But um, they were astonished. They were ecstatic. God had answered their prayer, and finally, uh, they, uh, they recognized that God had indeed do, d done that. All right, verse 17, but he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, like, all right, all right, all right, that's enough, that's enough. Uh, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He said, I've got to share with you how the Lord did this. It's amazing. And he said, go show these things unto James. And if you're thinking, wait a minute, I thought James was just killed back in verse number two. You're right, but this is a different James. There were a couple James that were part of the, uh, uh, the disciples. So go, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Okay. A couple quick thoughts here, and I do need to wrap this up. But, uh, you know, this church definitely gets a, a bad rap for uh, doubting that God would answer their prayer. You know, they were praying, and then God did answer their prayer, and they, 
once, once the Lord did, they kind of were doubting that God could actually do that. And so the, the, the encouragement for us here is that we are instructed to pray in faith and confidence in the Lord that he will answer our prayers. 1 Timothy 2 and verse number 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. As we pray, we should not pray with, Lord, would you please heal my loved one? Would you please take care of my health issue? Would you please uh, restore this relationship? But in your mind, you're going, yeah, there's no way you can do it, though. We're supposed to pray without doubting. Uh, James 1 and verse number 6, Let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Mark 11, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 11, verse 23 and 24, uh, Jesus says, I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things, whatsoever ye, ye desire when ye pray, Believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. So instead of asking, can God, switch it up in your mind and in your heart and say, God can, as you pray. Okay, but to balance it out, though, this is actually an encouraging thought. This church did doubt a little bit, didn't they? And yet, did God still answer their prayer? God did answer their prayer, didn't he? That's an encouragement to me because I'm not always 100% Mr. Faith when I pray. Um, I'm not 100% following all of these verses that I just read. And not to say we shouldn't strive for that, but uh, this church was doubting, and yet God still answered their prayer. That's an encouragement. That's a comfort um, that God answers faithless prayers at times. To show that it wasn't because this church was so great, it was because God was so great. And he chose to answer their prayers. Let's read the aftermath here, and uh, then I'll make a couple quick, uh, quick thoughts, and then we'll, uh, we'll be done. Verse number 18. As soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. I mean, talk about drama. Um, Brother Bryce... Um, worked in a prison as a, you know, he worked there. Um, you can imagine the meetings that they had and the drama that took place. I mean, everybody was blaming who, and there was no one to blame because the Lord did it. But uh, there, was, there was a great stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, when it was time for Herod to go, okay, let's get Peter. He, he didn't realize what happened to Peter yet. He went to go get Peter and kill him before the people and, you know, thinking that his fame would uh, go through the roofs once, once again. When Herod had sought for him and found him not, uh, he was not happy about it. In fact, he was so angry that the Bible says he, could, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. Verse 20 says, And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in 
royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. The people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God, and not of a man. Well, look what happened in verse, in verse 23. Immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. It's an interesting study on what eating of the worms means. Um, encourage you to, if you're interested in that, to go do a little more study on that. But it was a very gruesome way to die. It was, uh, he was basically eaten from the inside out. And then he died. Now, typically you die and then the worms eat you. But in this case, the worms ate him first and then he died. That's a rough way to go. But it was all because... Uh, he was lifted up in tremendous pride. All right. Look at verse 24. I love this. So Herod tried to silence Christians and destroy Christianity. But here's what happened. In spite of all that persecution, verse 24, the word of God grew and multiplied. <laughs> um, you know, Satan and, and uh, his minions are trying to silence Christians and stop Christianity and the, and the church, but uh, the promise that Jesus made back in Matthew chapter 16, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now you try to stop it all you want, you try to kill everybody, here's what's going to end up happening. The word of God grew and multiplied. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark, and they were about ready to go on their very first missionary journey. Um, so, all that was happening, and uh, this church learned to be a praying church. Um, I want to encourage us here at Cornerstone Baptist Church to be a praying church. Now, I want to be a loving church, a friendly church, a church with ministries that help people. I want to be a church that is effective in its outreach. I want this church to be a powerful church, but it will only be so if we are a praying church. So as we face this crossroads of sorts in our society today, whether or not we face persecution, may we continue to be a church that prays when things are going well and when they are not. And not to get sidetracked on lesser things like protests and petitions. Those aren't bad, but as long as we're doing the main thing by praying. Uh, and this is because if, if we are a church that prays, then God hears and answers prayer. Even if it lacks some confidence and faith at times, too. And I'm thankful for that truth. Well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll look at a couple of our prayer requests for tonight. Lord, we thank you for the example of this church in Jerusalem that uh, was fervent to pray without ceasing for their dear, beloved uh, Peter. And Lord, we're thankful for how you answered that prayer. And it's humorous. But, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be encouraged that you answered their prayer even though they doubted that it actually could have been Peter in the flesh that had been released from prison and that you had actually answered that prayer so quickly in that way. Uh, Lord, help us, uh, Lord, to be willing to ask for things that are beyond what we can imagine. Um, Lord, this was beyond what anybody could do. There were 16 soldiers guarding him. None of those believers could go in and rescue him, but Lord, you were able to do it. And uh, Lord, help us increase our faith, and uh, Lord, help us to be a praying church. 
more importantly than anything else. Um, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, let's look at our prayer uh, sheet here very quickly. Does anybody have any uh, updates to the ones mentioned here uh, on the prayer sheet tonight?